The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Happy Labor Day, everybody. Welcome to a special holiday edition of Fantasy NBA Today. I'm your host, Dan Bespris, and we'll be keeping this one probably in about the 20-minute range as just a little Monday bonus show. I like to have one every single weekday, basically forever. My day's off for the weekends. That's fine. You guys enjoy the holiday? I will fill your ears with about one standard TV length without commercials, with commercials, I guess, episode of this fantasy podcast. Hope everybody had a nice weekend, whatever you guys ended up doing. We actually took a little family trip into the uh, low mountains east of L.A. Those that are down here, you kind of know the uh, the San Bernardino area. If you go up into the hills there, Arrowhead, Big Bear, uh, that sort. Uh, just getting back into town, and I thought to myself, well, do I really want to do a show that bangs out the remaining chunk of names on the Bespris bucket. Because we left off at, I think it was the last name we did. Was it Nance? Was Larry Nance the last player we did on uh, on Friday's show? It was somewhere around the 80, early 80s mark. I think we did, Was it Car- maybe it was Karis Levert. Might have been Levert. So we, had to, we bumped Nance down mid-show. That was the live, oh right, we should probably move this guy around because of the trade thing, because I hadn't gone through the list at that point, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, so, you know, we were in that 85, 86 range, and I ha- my list at, mo- at the present time goes up to 148 players, which, frankly, if, you- if you're using up that many of your names on, say, like a 180-player draft, that means that, number one, uh, the people you're drafting with are probably using your list against you, because in all likelihood, we eliminated a lot of players from our list that didn't even make the, the board, that are going to get drafted by other teams. So we shouldn't really have to go, I would hope, much deeper than like 120 on this board. Even though there are another 60 guys, they should be coming from angles, guys that we just wouldn't even look at. Not even on our list. So the answer to my my self-question, my self-query was, no, I don't want to do that today. Today is a day to kind of ease into the week. We'll have normal Tuesday through Friday shows. And today is... A little bit more of a quick burst. First and foremost, if you happen to be listening today for the first time ever, welcome. I know this is kind of that time of year, although again with the holiday weekend, perhaps a little bit less so. But you guys are popping up. You're coming out of the woodwork. I can see it. The way I know that it's happening is because Twitter follows are back to sort of trending slightly up after sort of very slowly decreasing for about three months of the offseason. Now it's like plus two every day instead of minus one or something like that uh also there are just you know more downloads of the pod i probably could have done that the simple way so welcome to the show very thrilled to have you if you're listening for a first time here on a holiday and you're like hey does anybody do a show on labor day and the answer is yes dan but only in the afternoon slash evening uh eastern time i guess and if you're in europe uh hello tomorrow because we're basically at that point so what I thought I'd do is uh, kind of scour for questions that have been going on specifically about this podcast. Many of you have asked them on Twitter. I've gotten a few sort of behind the scenes. This is not, by the way, to take away 
from the mailbag show that I'm going to be doing with my good buddy Adam King later this week. That that show, if you have a mailbag question, you can reply to that specific thread. I think, when the hell did I post that, hey, ask me about, ask me a mailbag question. When, when did that happen? Was that like Wednesday or Thursday of last week? I got to figure that out. Anyway, you can, if you want, you can go to Twitter. You can find it. Um, it's it's around there somewhere. Uh, there it is. Um, so four days ago, whatever the hell that was. Four days ago was uh, the Wednesday? Two, no, Thursday. So Thursday the 2nd, uh, I tweeted that, that Adam and I are doing a mailbag show later this week. You can reply to that thread if you'd like us to answer those questions. The best ones will make it onto that podcast. Instead, and this was like wonderful timing because in the middle of the night... We got, I got a Twitter message from one of our longtime listeners of the show. He's a really sharp guy. His name is Jonathan. I'm not going to go into detail about uh, anything more on him. If he, I'm sure if he wants to say hi and, and uh, out in the, in the public sphere, that's totally fine. Uh, but Jonathan posed a couple of really interesting questions about the process here that we go through doing this sort of live bucketology on Fantasy NBA Today. And I thought, you know what, I'm betting... Other people have had these questions. If they haven't, I'm betting when they hear Jonathan's questions, they'll be like, oh, those are smart. Someone should answer those. And I guess that someone should probably be me. Again, very quickly here, um, you can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, talking about the stuff that we've been doing on social media here at the beginning of the show. It's D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or just Google search Dan from HoopBall. HoopBall is hoop-ball.com. Their Twitter handle, the fantasy one at least, is at HoopBallFantasy. And, by the way, the five college odds boosts from this weekend, I believe, went three and two. Or at least that it looks like that's the way I got credited. I was really hoping for four and one. That would have been a real big dent. That would have been like a plus 75. Unfortunately, three and two means we're up like $23 or something of that nature. Uh, and that's okay. Not a, not a big deal. We'll take it. Free money's free money. Um, and then we're going to get this NFL one on Thursday of this week, so that'll be another plus 23, and, and so we'll end up making between 40 and 50 bucks on the odds boost, which, again, not earth-changing money, not, we were never going to see that much when 150 was basically the best-case scenario, uh, but here's the thing, we all just got 50 bucks for doing basically nothing at all. You're welcome, and if you guys want, you could still get in on the, the, the football odds boost, the NFL one, that's on Thursday of this week for the NFL season kickoff game. Which And the bet is basically you can put $25 max on it because it's a guaranteed winner. If anyone scores in the game on Thursday over at MyBookie, you win. That's it. If you have an account already, go put 25 bucks on it immediately so you can get your free winnings on Thursday. It's not promo bucks. This is you put actual wager on it and you get actual winnings back. If you don't have an account, make sure to hit me up because guess what? I will make your $25 deposit for you and then all you have to do is put the that uh, deposit on that odds boost and you're basically starting with a free $48 roughly in your MyBookie account. So hit me up on Twitter at Dan Bespers. Let me know you'd like to get involved on that odds boost stuff. Let me get you 50 free bucks. It's not promo dollars. It's real. A lot of these websites like, oh yeah, then you have to bet it 25 times over. Nope. Not us. Anyway, bug me about that. So uh, these questions, by the way, and, and again, I'm not going to go through the lists as they're currently built. Uh, I have a, a bunch of tweaking to do on what we've done live on air because a lot of those are going to have little tiny misfires and we want to move those bodies around. But uh, 
his first question, and, and there were a few in a really, this, I mean, this is a really good series of questions. So I, I definitely want to break these down. First question was, um, Dan, you, you had moved Demonis Sabonis up a bucket based on the public perception that we expected him to get. Wouldn't it be smarter to just leave him in the lower bucket where he, where you would likely draft him anyway? The short answer to that question is yes. That's the short answer. Uh, the longer answer is, I basically just went back. This, this was me kind of finding my footing with doing this stuff live on air. So basically what you guys all witnessed, that Jonathan was like, what the hell are you doing moving him back up a bucket, was really, I had put him on my board in this bucket, basically. Uh, this is where he was. And then I thought, maybe I should move him down because I think he's going to get overdrafted and I don't want to get sucked into that. But then I thought, as I, was going, as I was going through the rest of the names on this board, I mean, this was really like Dan's brain misfiring. The first few rounds, first two rounds really, were super easy for me to do because we could just put the guys in the bucket that they belonged in uh, because public perception wasn't going to play much of a role in where we ended up getting these guys. Because the buckets are so small and defined early, they're just guys you're not going to get when they come back. Let me go into a tiny bit more detail on that. And it's something we've, we've discussed on the podcast before, but I want to make sure you guys all see the link between the two ideas in my jumble of a brain. In the, if you're in like the seventh round of your draft, the buckets start to become a little bit dumb again because everyone sort of falls. That's when you need to actually get your guys kind of ranked in order. That's all the rest. When you're in buckets one through, as it turned out on our board, about six... They are, it's really like you don't need to make slight tweaks at that point because you want to just put the guys where they belong and don't worry about the public perception stuff because in the first couple of rounds, public perception isn't going to move a guy far enough where you could pass over someone and hope that they get back to you unless you're like pick 10, 11, or 12. This is that game theory stuff we've been talking about the podcast. Uh, on the show, I should say. Meaning, unless you have like pick, basically like a, one of the last three picks in the first round, the order that you draft your guys is basically going to be exactly the order you have them on your, what we've been calling our pride board. Meaning, this is how we actually believe the names are going to finish at the end of the year. The reason we do that is because no one's coming back to you. You might, for our sake, for instance, <clears throat> I might have Jimmy Butler ahead of where someone else has him. We have Butler in bucket four on our list right now. And maybe I go back and tweak that later. But for, for this discussion today, all we really need to know is that he's currently in bucket four. Other names in bucket four are guys like Anthony Davis, Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, Paul George. Unless you have, like, pick 11, because then there's only two picks between you and your next one, the buckets don't really matter at that point. You're basically just ranking your guys. The point of the bucket 
is to make sure you are getting the biggest area under the curve, which again, we're using to define how to maximize the number of higher bucket guys you get on your team. The way you do that is by understanding the order that everybody else is going to be drafting people. Sometimes you might draft a guy that you actually have ranked lower on your pride list because everyone else has him ranked higher on their draft lists. In this instance, if we thought someone might get back to us in the first round, I might personally say, like, uh, what's a good example here? In bucket five, we've got Embiid, Kyrie, eh, that's not that helpful. I guess bucket four is probably where we should stick for this discussion. I might personally want to get Jason Tatum ahead of, eh, it's <laughs> a hard example to do on the fly. Okay, how about this? I might personally want to get uh, Bradley Beal ahead of Jimmy Butler, but let's say everybody else is going to take Butler ahead of Beal. This is a hard hypothetical to do because I don't think that's actually going to be the case. So that's why even as I'm saying it, I'm thinking this is going to be hard for people to digest. I want to make it easier for you guys to digest this stuff, uh, but I, I don't know that this is going to be the, the way to do it. Let's just assume, I need you guys to just assume with me for a minute, even if this is probably not going to be the case. Assume with me that uh, people are so soured on Anthony Davis that they that he gets drafted. Let's say Anthony Davis's ADP this year is farther down the board than uh, Paul George. I don't think that's going to be the case. In fact, I would almost bet my life that that's not going to be the case. But for this example, just assume that's going to be the case. And this is the stuff we talk about, like pick player 40 versus player 41. Remember those discussions we had on the pod early last week and the week before? The reason it's kind of dumb to do that analysis in these first rounds is if you have, like, pick nine, you're basically picking between those two guys. Neither one of them is coming back to you. You're picking between, I mean, you could take Anthony Davis and Jason Tatum, for example. Who do you think is going to get drafted higher by the public? I think it's probably Tatum this year, actually, for whatever that's worth. But so if you get to your pick there and you're like, well, the public is going to take Jason Tatum first, which means I should probably take Tatum first, even if on my board I have Anthony Davis higher because I'm hoping Davis gets back to me at pick 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 16. That's not going to happen. That dude's not getting back to you. Now, somehow in this, in an insane universe that it gets to you, you have picked 11 and both AD and Tatum are still on the board there. They won't be, but let's say they are. Now you're actually kind of making that call a little bit. And at that point, you're, if you have them close to one another on your board, you just take the guy who's you have ranked higher. You could try to get fancy and say, well, uh, if I think the public is taking Jason Tatum first, I should take Tatum, even if AD is higher on my own board, because this way I'm saying I have a better chance that AD gets back to me three picks later. Okay, that's like the only scenario where you game theory a little bit in the first slash second round. Because if you have pick eight or nine even, those guys you're targeting, they're not coming back to you. Now, as you work towards, in our instance, it's basically like bucket... Starts at about bucket seven. 
So like mid to late second round through basically the seventh round. It's a pretty good chunk there in the middle of the draft. This is where you start to operate under the curve. This is where you start to get your, they're basically doing an integral here of whatever draft equation you're using. This is where we start to get our profit. And the way we do that is by figuring out how everybody else is going to draft and making our picks to create the largest percentage chance that guys we want are still on the board when our next turn comes around. We've done that example a couple times on this pod, so I don't want to do the whole thing all over again. But if you're looking at, like, say, bucket eight and bucket nine, which is where Demonis Sabonis creeps into this discussion, go back to this original question from Jonathan, I have Sabonis uh, somewhere in the 30s when I'm looking at my board here. Um, and he was in there in a bucket with guys that I also have ranked in the late 20s. And so I get it. It's a little bit dumb that he's at that higher juncture. But what I was sort of doing at that point, I was bumping him down almost borderline artificially because I didn't want to get him. And that's actually fine, but that's not an adjustment that I should have been doing live on air unless I was going to be doing that for every player we went through live on air. And in that moment, I realized, I think probably later in that same show, where it was like, wait a minute, I got to just put these guys where they belong, and then I will let public perception dictate the tweaks we make later in the process. So Jonathan is right. That's the very short answer to the question. Demonis Sabonis will probably be moved down as many as two buckets for us on draft day because we kind of don't want him, which is not really fair. He's going to have a good season. Maybe not great, but it'll be good. How good? Probably depends a little bit on his durability this year. And right now, he's in there in a bucket of guys that we'd probably prefer to have. But my assumption was, this guy is going to be someone who gets drafted super-duper early compared to where we have him ranked. So it probably, it almost doesn't even really matter. Like, do we want Demonis Sabonis or Tobias Harris? It's probably a little bit of a wash. Those two guys are probably a little bit of a wash. Demonis Sabonis or like Rashawn Holmes, that's pretty damn close. I think I have Rashawn ahead of him ever so slightly. But then we got into this thing on the podcast where I was like, I was moving guys down the board because I figured they were going to get underdrafted. And I realized that was sort of unwise. And that's the tweaking, actually, that I need to do before we get to the recap show, which is probably going to be Wednesday or Thursday of this week, so that you guys know, hey, look, this is where these guys all needed to be reset. Because the first few shows we were doing on these buckets, I was moving guys around based on what I thought public perception was going to do to them. And then there were some shows where I realized that was going to make my job way too hard, doing a show in real time and guessing public perception in real time. And I stopped doing that part. And so starting on like the show near the end of that show or the one after it, then we started putting guys just where they belonged. But we did some weird stuff early on. So this is all stuff that's going to get kind of flattened out when we clean this up. And I know it's a little bit of a lame answer to the question when it, to sum it all up. But the sum up answer is, don't worry about it right now. When we clean this up, 
he will end up where he belongs. I don't want you guys writing all the stuff down that I'm doing in real time. It's going to screw everything up. The uh, next question was about totals versus per game. This is very much, in my opinion, uh, a head-to-head versus roto discussion. And I know a lot of head-to-head folks still don't really care for the totals rank, but I I think that that's a little bit league-dependent. You probably need more injured reserve slots if you're in a head-to-head league where you don't need your guys to play a ton of basketball games. And really, a guy's totals value is what you should be considering on draft day. A lot of the replies to a statement like that are like, well, what about you know, like an Anthony Edwards who came on big in the second half last year? Okay, that's great. But over the entire season, there were like two to two and a half months where he didn't help you at all. And if your team was able to float that, more power to you, but his totals rank reflects what he did early on in the season as well. He played a lot of ball games. Thankfully, like he was, he was bad then, but at least he was out there on the floor. Guys that miss games crush you in head-to-head. Yeah, guys that miss games in your fantasy playoffs, that's a bigger deal even, but it's almost impossible to know who's going to miss games right at the end of the year. You can try to game plan out for teams that are going to be in tank mode, That's a little easier. There's going to be a handful of them. You can just pen in on your sheet at the beginning of the season. And then there's going to be a few that kind of fall off at some point in the middle of the year. But from a like, you know, and and Jonathan in his question mentioned that he wants the per game monsters. I generally agree with that in Roto Games Cap Leagues because a guy that gets hurt doesn't destroy you because you're not sucking down those zeros when they're not on the floor. You replace them with someone else. Uh, a, a fill-in of some kind. And even if you max out your injured reserve slots in a Roto League, if you even have them in a games league, you, you really don't need an IR in, in a, a capped format because who cares? You're not taking zeros. You can rotate someone else to fill in those games anyway. In a head-to-head league, if you fill up your injured reserve and you start taking zeros, you will lose. So you need guys that actually play basketball games. It's a really hard concept to internalize. Even myself, I was, I was there uh, on kind of the other side of this fence for a very long time. Mostly because I played almost exclusively Roto Leagues. You guys know I, I strongly favor Roto Games Cap League. I think they're much more fair. The winners of those tend to be the person who drafts uh, either good to great and then stays on top of stuff all season long. And you can weather injuries a little bit in Roto Leagues, which is kind of the way a normal basketball season goes. If you lose a few guys for a couple weeks here and there, your team can actually survive it a tiny bit. And if someone, if your team starts to sit dudes the last two weeks of the regular season that don't matter to a lot of teams in the NBA, it doesn't jettison your fantasy team oh, I hate the explanation. Oh, you know, it's just like a real playoff. If you lose your best guy, you will lose. Yeah, but our playoffs happen when the real NBA is playing their most meaningless games of the season. It's not the same thing. We shouldn't be... We shouldn't be punished because some random dude just sat because a game didn't matter. Like, the... the, the, the answer to that isn't, well, 
you know, your your fantasy playoffs function like real playoffs. If you lose a key guy, you're going to lose your fantasy matchup. Yeah, that's true, but they're not playing playoff games. They're playing the games when everybody sits. That's idiotic. So Roto tends to wash that out a little bit. Again, I was with you guys on this one. I tend to draft pretty hard for per-game guys in rounds four to basically the end of the draft. I do believe that in your first three rounds, and you could even make an argument first four or even five if you want to go a little bit nuts, totals really do matter, in, even in Roto Leagues on that one. And then beyond that, I go pretty, pretty buck wild on the per-game side. On the head-to-head side, I think you got to go deeper than that on totals. I think you got to be five, six, probably six rounds deep on guys that you think that data tells you are probably going to make it through the season. That's why we talk about the 10th category in this, on this podcast. You're not going to get them all right. This is all percentages. You draft a guy like Danilo Gallinari, and he's a bad example now because he's on a team where he doesn't get to do very much, but even when he was playing well, you knew he was going to miss 15 games. You were drafting him for his per-game upside, and if you were drafting him in head-to-head, you were, you were saying he's going to play enough games where his totals value will hit his ADP because he's going to miss a bunch of games, but his per-game mark is going to be better than where he's drafted. That's great, by the way, in Roto, because, again, you can fill in the missed games with a bunch of, a bunch of Dante DiVincenzos. In head-to-head, if he's ruled out late... And, you know, he's not on the injured list for three games or whatever the rule is at Yahoo and other leagues, other fantasy websites have their own descriptors on this. You're just sucking down a zero for a week. And then he gets put on the IL, and then you can pick someone up who might be half decent, probably not quite as good. Call it, still, call it the Dante DiVincenzo effect. And then you're rolling out DiVincenzo for a week, and then Gallo comes back or whatever the hell it was. There are guys where you can handicap how many games they're going to play. In fact, you should all be doing that. Trying to figure out how many games a player is going to play in a given season is part of fantasy basketball analysis. It's not all a crapshoot. We look at what these guys have done over the last generally five years to get an idea of what you can expect from year number six. There are going to be outliers. You can't handicap on outliers. You handicap on what you know. Odds are, Rudy Gobert these days is going to play most of his team's games. He had like two seasons where he had a pretty big injury, kind of fluky stuff, and most of the time, he plays. Dame plays. Jokic plays. Kawhi doesn't. Beal generally plays. Jason Tatum generally plays. Things happen. Washington, both Boston and Washington got nailed with all sorts of crazy COVID stuff this year. In fact, didn't those guys hug? Wasn't that part of it? (laughs) Wasn't that like the players can't talk after the game anymore thing? Yeah, things happen. But you draft based on precedent. Bam Adebayo still played 64 games this year despite going as the deepest of anybody in the league in the bubble and hurting himself in the bubble. You draft based on what you know. There's a much, there's a higher than 50% chance that Bam Adebayo plays more games in a given season than a guy who's generally banged up. 
I'll pick an example of someone we like, Clint Capella. Bam probably plays more games than Clint. Now, it's a bad example because they're probably not going to get drafted at the same point this coming year. But just from a head-to-head comparison of two guys who will rank really close to one another this season, Bam only played one more game. But, I mean, every year, head-to-head from now until the end of time, there's a better than 50-50 shot Bam's playing more games than Capella. So if those two guys were going at the exact same moment in a draft, hypothetically, you want the guy who's going to play the extra game. You want the guy who has the better probability of playing closer to 82 basketball games this coming season. That's a really big deal. Now, if someone gets catastrophically hurt and they're placed on the injured list immediately in your Yahoo League or whatever you might be using, okay, that eliminates a little bit of the uncertainty, but all of a sudden now, you're talking about a guy who's... You don't want to be using Dante DiVincenzo's for that many fill-in games. It's really hard to hit your, your rank by totals If you miss more than the league average of games played, you have to be better per game than where you're being drafted. Not a ton of guys do that. Some of them do, yeah. And if you miss, like, more than five beyond the league average in games missed, then you're really talking about it being super hard to get to your mark. Again, you can make pretty good arguments in Roto Games Cap Leagues that that makes a lot of sense. In head-to-head, totals do matter. You want guys, especially the first few rounds, but again, I would argue in head-to-head even beyond that a little bit, playing in an extra couple of games is significant. Most of us have a moves limit on a given week. So, you know, it's not like we can stream three or four slots down at the end of our list when guys get hurt. We can stream one or two most of the time. Guys are popping on and off, and everybody's going to have injury stuff. But don't you want to try to minimize it a little bit? Like, if, you're, if your team is generally healthy and you can stream two slots at the end of it, you're going to win your head-to-head league. Even if your team isn't as good per game as some of the teams you're playing against, you'll probably end up with three or four more games than them on any given week because of all this type of crap we're talking about. This is math stuff, for sure. Uh, and it is a very, it's very much a head-to-head roto type of comparison. But... You cannot ignore ranks by totals. You cannot do it. This is like this, the analytics versus old school NBA thing, where I feel like there are people that are on both sides and and refuse to see what the other one is saying, but you really need to combine the two pieces of data into one to make your final decision. What kind of a league are you in? What do you know about the player? How healthy are they? When are they being drafted? Is this someone where we overvalue their totals or undervalue their totals. I generally feel that we overvalue totals rank when you're talking about a guy who's like 110 on a per game, plays in all 72 ball games, and ends up ranked like number 76. That's basically fluff ranked. They shouldn't be there. I'll take an example from this season. Um, Justin Holiday, who was actually good for stretches this year, but if you had him and he played him every single game all season long... He was number 117, seven, uh, excuse me, 117, and played in all 72 games, which made him number 65 by totals. But that's bunk. Head-to-head or roto, you don't want the number 117 guy, even if they play every single ball game. You'd rather go stat hunting, hope for someone that comes along the way 
that's more like, you know, top 85, maybe misses a handful of ball games. But if you catch them maybe right after they've missed a few games, they can still beat out your outside the top 100 dude, which is why I do believe there's a threshold in both types of leagues, Roto, games cap, or head-to-head, where you do start gunning for that per-game upside. In Roto Games Cap, it's probably around pick 40 in your draft that you're like, okay, upside hunting time. And in head-to-head, it's probably more like pick 70. Because guys that are ranked inside the top 70 that play a ton of basketball games, that's positive impact stuff. That's not a guy you're finding on the waiver wire, especially with a limit on the number of moves you can make in a given week. It feels easy in our head to say that we can just go pick up a top 75 guy every week. It doesn't happen like that. It just doesn't work. You get one every once in a while. So if you can get a top 75 guy in your draft who's also quite durable, that durability matters. If you get a top 120 guy who's super durable, the durability doesn't matter because that dude's not helping your team when he's out there. Yeah, they're, they're compiling some stats in head-to-head because there's no cap on how many games they can play, but you'd rather go hunting. At that point, you'd rather stream. And I ended up talking longer about those two questions than I intended to. Um, there's there's more from this list, but we'll get to that. Maybe I'll slide the rest of this into the uh, into the mailbag stuff. Uh, I want to put a pin in things right there. I, I promised it was going to be a short show and it went a little longer than expected, but not like it's a long one. I was shooting for 20 minutes and you know, we're into the 30s. In any event, I am Dan Bassrus. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you guys enjoyed this little special holiday edition of Fantasy NBA Today. Thank you to Jonathan for some wonderful questions that we were able to expound upon here on the pod. Back tomorrow, we'll dive back into the buckets. Tweaked lists, ready to rock, all cleaned up. That's not entirely true. Partially cleaned up. We'll get to a final at some point along the way and uh, go from there. I'm Dan Bespris. Have a great Monday. Rest of the day. We'll talk to you tomorrow, everybody. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.